Hello, everybody. This is Gino Johnson, CEO of Champions for Veterans, and I am so excited for today's episode of Convos with Heroes. We have an amazing American hero and John Morgan on with us, and I am so pumped to share his story and uh, for everybody else to know really what he's got going on and how he's been able to help the world. Uh, but of course, uh, before we get into the interview with John, I want to go ahead and say hey to my dad. Hey, dad, how you doing? Hey, son, I'm excited. We got a devil dog on the call, John Morgan, a great American hero. I can't wait to hear his story. Man, oh, yeah, me too. You know, I'll tell you, John, you know, actually, uh, I was in the uh, ROTC in high school, Marine ROTC in high school. So I have a, a little bit of a connection with the Marines for a couple of years I was there. So we don't, you know, it's not going to be me and you versus my dad here or anything like that. I just want to make sure I put that out there. We're not, you know, but. <laughs> no, my brother's an active duty colonel so it's we're all good oh yeah in the army oh, oh good wow, wow i love it i love it well look john yeah let me go ahead and read just john's uh background his bio here before we we, we get to know john a little bit more uh, so many members of John Morgan's family have served in the armed forces, which was influenced by his grandfather's actions during World War II. The idea of service to others resonated strongly with John and served for, four, for 13 years in the U.S. Marines. Even though he is no longer wearing a uniform, he still has a mission to continue to serve the country and wants to honor the legacy his grandfather had begun. During his 13 years in the Marine Corps and multiple trips to Afghanistan and Iraq, John invested well in the stock market. There were a few fundamentals that he stuck with and took a conservative approach to investing, which served him well. He didn't come from money, but he was able to de develop an investment portfolio near, nearing $600,000 by the time he exited the Marines. Wow. That portfolio was liquidated to create Ismaco Investments. During his time in the Marines, John constantly heard horror stories about off-base properties that were not well-maintained. Landlords would take advantage of a situation and there seemed to be little recourse for a service member to take. The worst would be is when a spouse was deployed or on an extended military maneuver and their family would go without essential services. Ismaco's top priority of having well-maintained homes is so, is so someone that is serving the country has their head in the game. No one will be able to concentrate on what's in front of them if they are worried about their family dealing with a broken HVAC system in the middle of July. That is, that is certainly the truth. Uh, real estate can be a lucrative investment, but we have the service member in mind. With a strong portfolio of eight properties valued at over $1 million, Ismaco will strive to teach service members how to invest while simultaneously providing them better quality rental properties. Ismaco can do this with the assistance of shareholders that will invest not only in this current project, but to build a legacy that will continue to help others in the, into the future. The focus is to provide an investment opportunity that is recognizable and provide, it, provide the returns that investors should expect with a solid exit strategy for the shareholders. Ismaco wants to create the John Red Morgan Foundation to honor John's grandfather and Medal of Honor recipient John C. Morgan, a B-17 pilot during World War II. The foundation will one day support veteran startups to help fund the veteran entrepreneurial spirit through these investments, Ismaco seeks to be the change it wanted to see in this world. Wow, that is amazing, John. So excited to have you on with us today, sir. Thank you. I appreciate your uh, your invitation. I'm excited to share the story and uh, um, see where this goes. Perfect. Awesome, sir. Well, t tell us about yourself. Well, um, I think it's uh, good to start at the very beginning um, because of everything that um, really influence of how I got here um, today. I spent 13 years in the Marines. 
Um, I was enlisted, graduated from college, uh, wanted to become an officer. Uh, things didn't work out that way, but um, still served uh, in uniform for 13 years. I, I was an intel specialist, um, went to Iraq once, Afghanistan twice, multiple other deployments all over the place. And uh, I was an embassy guard for three years, um, which was one of the more interesting times of my career. I spent a year in Egypt right when the revolution started. So that was uh, pretty interesting to be there in a time of history. Um, uh, my second post was in Moscow, Russia, which is more interesting today because of recent events um, right. going on there and being like right there in the, in the middle of, of everything. I mean, it was 10 years ago, but still it's kind of, it's, it's crazy to be there um, and see what's going on now. And then my third post was Rio de Janeiro, uh, Brazil. So it was a pretty interesting time there. I had a great view of uh, Brazil, of all those great pictures of the Cristo and, and the, the bay and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool. And then um, the reason why I wanted to join the military is um, it's kind of a, a family affair that we've really done for a long time. Like um, you um, mentioned earlier, uh, my grandfather is a Medal of Honor recipient from World War II. He's the only Medal of Honor recipient uh, after being awarded the medal was captured later and he's used propaganda by the Germans. And so that was um, a lot of influence. I've had you know cousins and, and other extended uncles um, that I've served. Uh, my brother joined the Marines. Uh, he was been in every conflict since uh, the first Gulf War. Uh, he went to college, so he wasn't involved in the Balkans, but when he got out, he, uh, the army paid for a school and became an officer. And so when he was in Afghanistan, I was in Iraq. And when I was in Iraq, he, or no, when I was in Iraq, he was in Afghanistan. And when I was in Afghanistan, my sister was in Iraq because she was, uh, in the army too. She was an officer yeah. and she got out as a captain. Uh, my father is a retired, uh, first sergeant from the air force. And so there was, um, a long proud legacy of um, of service to a higher cause than us. And that's kind of what led me uh, to join the Marines. Wow, wow. That's fascinating, man. I'm, I'm, of course, you're talking about your grandfather. Of course, you know, I'm big in the reading about Medal of Honor winners, so I just got him pulled up. John Kerry Red Morgan, August the 24th, 1914. January 19, uh, January the 17th, 1991 is when he passed away. Air Force pilot, World War II, received the Medal of Honor for his actions during a 1943 bombing run over Germany. Oh my God, man. This gets my just, I, I, I love this kind of stuff. And uh, he was, that's um, incredible. Um, and the reason why he was captured, um, it was when, when he was awarded the medal, they, they wouldn't let him fly anymore. And so, you know, the biographies and anything written about him, they talk about how he just demanded to fly back with his men back into battle. And, um, uh, and they finally relented and let him go, but that actually didn't happen. What happened was he snuck onto a plane and got shot down and they wanted to court-martial him um, because they were so angry that he was captured. <laughs> and, um, but couldn't really court-martial a, a Medal of Honor recipient, but he, uh, he spent the last year and a half um, uh, in the camp of the war and you know fortunately or unfortunately the way you look at it is that um, shortly before the end of the war um, they uh, they made moonshine out of their first aid rations and he got highly intoxicated and 
beat the heck out of a German guard. And he was executed, sentenced to be executed um, in the camp. And two days before his execution, uh, the, uh, the Russians, the Red Army liberated the camp before it occurred. And so wow. heck of a story. We have his execution <laughs> papers and they are um, actually, we don't have them anymore. Uh, we, uh, they're building the, the Medal of Honor Museum or Medal, yeah, the, the, the National Medal of Honor Museum in Arlington, Texas. And we uh, gifted, um, gave a permanent loan to the museum uh, of his medal and all his other archives. I think it was um, wow. a good place for it to go. It was, um, uh, it was, the cons I was pretty concerned about like what would happen to his stuff after, you know, every living memory of him is no longer yeah. here. And I right. thought that was the best place for, for, for it to go. And so I was happy that um, that's where all his, uh, his stuff is now. Oh man, no, that's fascinating. I mean, as many veterans as I've talked to over the uh, past few years of helping vets, I've never talked to the family of a, a Medal of Honor winner. So this is a pre pretty incredible day to be talking about the same name, talking about your grandfather. Man, talk about that legacy. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, I mean, you know, I come from a family of people serving the military too, but my God, how was it going through basic training? I got to ask you this question. Did anyone ever find out about your grandfather before they and then knew you and just asked you, were you kin to him or some military stories? Or when, what about having your commanders when they found out that your granddaddy was a Medal of Honor winner? What, what happened then? During boot camp, I don't know how they found out. It was, I somehow they found out. And um, I wasn't really giving a whole lot of flack for it. I remember um, I'm 6'5". And so in Marine boot camp, like part of our, our physical fitness test is, is pull-ups. And I had a horrible time with them. And one of the drill instructors that um, uh, just, he, he was one of those guys that got in my mind, was able to get my mind and just like, it was somehow it was always related that like I was a disappointed to my grandfather and stuff. And I, I, uh, I always connected those, those pull-ups to my disappointment to that. But um, that was, Pretty much, um, really, the only thing that that I I got for it. I think one of the things that was really cool that the Marines um, allowed me to do is I got to spend about five months in Germany, and during that time, I got to go to his POW camp um, wow. in uh, Barth, and there's a just a just a big rock that that states that this is where the 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 camp was. But the fact that I got to stand there and walk through the field of of where you know this he he once stood you know, 60, 70 years ago, so. No doubt about it, man. I figured you was a pretty big guy because, you know, I was in special forces and I would always go to different embassies in South and Central America. We, we'd hang out and party with the Marines at the embassy uh, down in Bolivia and, and places like that. They were all kind of big. They looked, they looked apart, man, guys, they were working at the, all the embassies and everything overseas, the Marines and everything like that. So talk about that, man. You joined, what got you from high school? Talk about growing up, your dad, and then, you know, making a decision to join the military. I mean, I know what your family history and all that, but nothing says you have to go that way. Talk about that. It was something I've always wanted to do, and I, I joined late, and I wanted to become an officer. Um, and so, but the, one of the reasons why I joined late was um, uh, I, I did drop out of college a few times. Um, I thought that I was going to make money on the stock market and I was on my way there and, you know, things just didn't come to fruition. And it's, uh, I, 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 
learn to be a little bit more humble um, with the, you know, opportunity that's out there. However, uh, one of the big reasons why I didn't join is because I was severely overweight. I lost uh, 137 pounds to join. And so I, um, uh, and I just think that I, I really struggle with the physical fitness aspect in the Marines, especially the pull-ups. Um, I, I, I guess I could look back and, and say that I wish I, I joined one of the other services because I think I could have done push-ups and all this other stuff. And, um, but I also wouldn't have had the opportunity that I did in a lot of the ways, like becoming an embassy guard, um, which was, you know, let me see a very unique part of the world that, you know, in a way that many other Americans don't get to see it. Um, and so like getting my picture and my dress blues in front of the uh, the pyramids and, and being in a red square and getting my, and the photo in front of the Cristo in Rio de Janeiro. So that was, that was one of those cool experiences, but that's um, uh, why I wanted to do it. I also think that it was just in the time of, of that I joined was back at 06 was during the surge. And I kind of thought that if I didn't ever wear the uniform, I would end up regretting it. And right. so um, I made the decision to finally get in shape and I did it. And my dad wasn't too keen on it. He even says like, don't you think your grandfather served enough for us? And it was like, I'm like, I, I can't play that game. It's like, I gotta, yeah. I gotta live on my own merits and not the, the legacy of his coattails. So. Yeah. How old were you when you, when you joined, how old were you? I was 25. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That and, is right. Yeah. Yeah. And right. I was, um, people kept asking me, why did I join so late? And I didn't, at the time, I didn't know I did. I just kind of thought, well, it's time to either put up or, or regret it later in life. And so I finally did it. And, um, uh, and it wasn't until I actually arrived where I realized how much late, late in the game that I, I, I was. Yeah, man, I was 17 when I joined, and so that's eight years. Uh, you know, I can imagine, man, at that time. I mean, of course, you're at 17. I was in such good shape. I didn't even feel basic training. People tell my heart, it was it wasn't nothing. Basic wasn't nothing. AIT wasn't nothing. I don't think I started feeling anything until I got at least 30 over 30 years old. Then I started <laughs> once I once I hit over 30, probably about 33 years old. Uh, I started understanding the five mile runs and how hard they were. But you know, at 17 to 17 to probably you know. 30, I didn't, I didn't even feel a thing. I thought everybody was just wimping out. They couldn't do stuff. I, you just a wimp, you know? <laughs> By the time I went to boot camp, I think I was probably, you know, relatively, relative compared to many other people, I was probably in great shape. And I think compared to like when, you know, where I used to be, where it's like getting up in the morning was, was, you know, I get out of breath just by like uh, <laughs> by standing up from a, uh, from the bed and to being in shape that yeah. I was now that I thought I was this beast, but by the time I went to boot camp, I'm like, oh, I still have a lot of way to, <laughs> way to go compared yeah. to these, uh, a lot of these younger guys. So it was, uh, it was quite the, uh, quite the journey um, from uh, that day I stepped on the yellow footprints. No doubt about it. So talk about this, man. So you join the Marine Corps, you go in, you're serving in combat, you do all your things, you go overseas and things like that. And then you make a decision at what point you're going to get out because, you know, with your background and family history, I mean, you could easily uh, did 20 or 30 years in, I just been a, a total lifer. So talk about that decision, you know, when you were looking at getting out and just kind of go over that for me. It was, um, it's one of those things where I, what's that saying? You're more than the sum of your past mistakes. And I, I made a mistake 
Um, I was going to do 20. Um, it's easy to say, like, you know, sit there and rationalize um, everything that went on and say someone else screwed up. And, and you know, I did something that all the Marines do and, and or not all of them, but a good portion of Marines do. And I, um, I worked on homework uh, with somebody that I wasn't supposed to. Um, it was, uh, it was very hard for me to accept. Um, and again, it was kind of like, I don't really know how to talk about it without making, looking like I'm making excuses because I mean, yeah. they, they set up the rules and saying that you were supposed to do this independently. And I did, I, yeah. I worked on some homework with somebody and, and we got caught and yeah. I took more of the brunt of it. You know, at the time I was single and the other Marine had, he was married and had three or four kids and so it was kind of well how's this going to go it's and so that was that was I could sit here and give a story about how it was time just to get out but it was that I think it's and the reason why I think it's important to do or to bring up is that people screw up um oh, yeah. and yeah. it taught me a lot of empathy of, yeah. of you know people that make mistakes um, you know, people, when you fall, there should be an opportunity to, to get back up without being hit in the head all the time saying that you screwed up and, you know, you don't deserve a second chance. And it was, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, compared to what I did in the past and everything up to that point that I think that, yeah, I could sit here and say, I wish I, I think I earned a second chance, but you know, the, it is what it is. And so that's mm -hmm. why I got out and I had a horrible hard time horribly hard time for it because I think some of the things that especially in Iraq um I started struggling with because it was kind of like why did I survive Iraq for for something like this to to end my career yeah, yeah um, like something so petty it's like wait a minute man. yeah and I was yeah and I was with a group of people that I they were they were being intel my my intel officer was was having security violations and and my E9 was doing some probably not the most ethical things. And I, I was just in a bad position where, you know, yeah. that I gave them the opportunity to protect themselves. And so, and again, like, how do I rationalize that when I did screw up? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, look, brother, I tell, I tell everybody, man, I did 20 years in and had it not been for some of my senior NCOs and people that looked out for me because the reality is I, I don't know anybody that makes it through a military career, even five or 10 years unscathed, it's done nothing wrong. I always like to say, I don't know anybody's Jesus Christ's first cousin. <laughs> you know, I mean, that you just, you, you just, you just lily white. You ain't never done nothing. I mean, really? Yeah. I, and for... I've never met that guy. I mean, you know, I've been around a lot of guys. I promise you, I've never met him. And they maybe, maybe didn't get caught. Maybe had a supervisor and said, hey, look, we're going to do this. You're going to go on guard duty some extra. You know, we're going to do this. But sometimes, you know, you don't get that guy and you do end up paying with your career. Because I can yeah. tell you right now, I had, I had two or three things that I could have paid with my career. Okay. But I had guys that said, hey, man, all right, I'm putting my foot up your tail. You're going to go and apologize. You're going to do this. And that's no. Roger, start majoring. Yeah, I mean, you just you leave, you leave, and you go. Oh my, my, my God, man! I was so close to getting. I mean, from I had a couple of things when I was a sergeant or whatever, and so now it's just keeping it real, man. And the great thing, but look at this, John. You, 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 you fell forward, brother. Yeah, 
Oh, I, and I was I was falling back. Um, and that was one of the things why I think it's really important. And that's why to to bring that up, because, again, it was. It's uncomfortable for me to to speak about, but I think it's very important to bring up because the idea that I have now um, resulted from when I was in the hospital after trying to harm myself. Okay. Um, and so that's why I want to be able to bring it. Why I think it's very important to, because of the stigma of of what goes on in the military and the the struggles that we deal with and how we handle it and and really you know we a lot of us always talk about like how we would do something or how we would handle it until we're in that position. But when you find yourself in that position, it's it's a lot different. Um, and you're yeah, I think it's just it's so so i know you got a passion man i know you got a passion for you know we we're losing 22 veterans a day to, yeah. to, to suicide uh it uh, the mental issues affect all of us uh including including myself uh i, I got a call the uh other week and i'm gonna tell you how, how how people understand what veterans deal with uh i got a call from a veteran uh last week when the bombs went off over in ukraine and he was frantic. And he was to the point, his PTSD is real. Oh my God, you know, I'm watching the news, the bombs are going off. And I had to literally get get on, on a FaceTime video with this veteran and pray with him. And like, okay, okay, brother. Yeah, it's real, but I'm I'm a believer. I said, man, Jesus Christ is real too. So we're gonna we see that, we understand that, but but you got a mission and a purpose too. And I don't think a lot of people, when they hear about, you know, veterans still dealing with, I remember when the Afghanistan thing went down, we pulled out, I was talking to guys about that and it it shook, it, it shook people to veterans that I know to the core that pulling out of Afghanistan. And then last week was another big incident. Talk about that, man, because a lot of civilians when they see this thing overseas, they go, oh, okay, Russia's in the Ukraine. But if you've been in combat or you know somebody, you've been there, how does that affect you? And, and how do you help people, man, deal with this kind of stuff? And that's that's really why I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do now is to be able to help. Um, I What you just said about Afghanistan was it, I went through that. It was it was a terrible feeling. I was um, I actually went to Virginia with my wife and her parents to just visit Middleburg, Virginia, I think, and we we're going to take her parents to Washington D.C. And like I just stayed in the hotel. I didn't want to go out. Like it was I tried to keep it in, and it didn't. And I I it I wouldn't say exploded. I didn't explode, but it was just like it finally like. I, I had a hard time keeping it in and my wife and I just kind of took a drive and had some pizza and, and talked about it, but it's, um, uh, but it, it's, I don't really know how to explain to, to someone that, that hasn't experienced it just because it's like, you know, on one side, they talk about like, well, how many more are we supposed to like leave there to die and stuff like that. And it was just kind of like, but okay. Yeah, it was, is, is, losing any more in vain and stuff like that but it's still hard about like you know the friends that i have lost there and when we yeah. come home that they've taken their their own life because yeah. of that and like yeah. you know what was what was the purpose what was was it a waste and yeah. you know it's i i am one of the types that i try not to get to into um policy or or mm -hmm. 
you know, politics of anything, but it was just, I just don't think that, I, I think that we could have stayed there under a strategic um, measure that we do in a lot of places. Like we're still in Germany, we have bases in Turkey and Korea and Japan as, as a presence that if, um, I don't think we should have been out there, you know, really defending the, the country, but I mean, we, we could have stayed on the bases and I'm, I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole with this, but it was just that it's, it's, it was difficult. And so it yeah. was really kind of yeah. gave me a little bit more resolve to continue what I'm doing now. There's been a right. lot of times where I've wanted to quit, but it was kind of that mission, that overall purpose of, of what I'm trying to achieve here. That the, when I, I think that if I was trying to do this for my own personal enterprise, I would have given up a long time ago, but I think that it's to, to continue to, to help and how I'm going to do it and how to get there. Um, and so it's, uh, uh, and it really showed me that I, I think I'm still continuing to do something important. I'm not there yet, but I think I'm going to get there. Yeah. yeah. And it's still going to so, take a few years to build, yeah. but it's the so process you, of getting there. So go ahead and give us some of the details, man. I know you, I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording your passion to help veterans uh, in this suicide issue. Do you have an organization of your own? Or are you just talking to guys one-on-one or how can people get in contact with you? website get, get, give some of those details if you don't mind right now um i developed my my company it's called ismico i named them i named it after my three english bulldogs izzy man coco because you know sometimes spell it out man for people like me spell it because don't assume i know how to spell that please yeah don't. just uh izzy ismico is i-z-m-a-c-o uh my website's getting uh revamped to what is more closely aligned to my mission so if you go on there it's it's not it's not it's in essence, it's still there, but like it's, it's getting more towards what I'm trying to do because one, I think that, that, you know, when I was having a hard time towards the end, like when I came home as he's no longer with us. Um, but you know, the dog didn't care what your day was. She was just happy to see you. And like, I just wanted to be able to say, you know, that's kind of the, the, the type of company I want is to be able to, to be that companion. That's like, no matter how bad your day was, it's just, there to it's glad to see you and wants the best for you and you know just spend time with it um and so i also kind of think that this is might be kind of on the lines of being somewhat cheesy but in the military we always talk about being sheepdogs and protecting the herd and stuff like that well i mean english bulldogs aren't really the sheepdog protective type but they're great companions and sometimes that sheepdog needs the to in their their older age and and, and retirement needs to just become that great companion. And mm -hmm. that's what these dogs are. And this is what I, I want to be able to develop into saying like, this is what this company is, it's just that companion that, that people need. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I say that the idea sparked when I was in the hospital, it was the idea sparked, but I didn't exactly know. And things evolved into what they are now through some of the experiences of developing this company. Um, but when, um, I said, hey, I want to develop something to help vets, really that bring them back part of the community, what is um, to feel like they belong again. Um, but a lot of it is through my experience of when I got out said, how am I going to do this? So I had a, as a nice portfolio in the, in, from the stock market. It was not bad for being a crane eating jarhead enlisted. Um, I invested well. And so but I had a hard time finding lending because it wasn't like a W-2, it wasn't real income. So nobody would really lend to me. And I, 
there's there's other things out there that I know now, but didn't know at the point back then. So, oh well. But I liquidated it and started buying properties and fixing them up and just and distressed properties. And what I want them to be is um, uh, for service members to be able to live in. So that way is some of the things in the, uh, the biography that we talked about is that good quality properties for service members to live in. And I think that uh, I'm trying to expand the portfolio. I have eight properties. Um, and uh, being in military towns, it's, it's, it, there's, there's a, CB, I'm starting to hate this word because it's being overused, but you know, it's, it's the key word, symbiotic, symbiosis um, of what we can really do to, to help each other. So I think the first step is to try to build this portfolio with, with properties and um, expand it and try to get revenue generated. And hopefully I can do that with the, the, the help shareholders um, uh, with the like-minded ideas of, of what this is. But in time, um, where I really hope that this is what will come to fruition is the mm -hmm. foundation that I've talked about is how I'm going to help those service members by reducing vet suicides is yeah. I might not be able to do it right now mm -hmm. at this point, mm -hmm. uh, but I think I will be able to help more in the long term. So if I have properties that are predominantly for vets or active duty service members, mm -hmm. um, hopefully attract shareholders, get them to you know, do my duty to them. They, mm -hmm. they expect a return. I'll do it for them, but they're going to want to exit. I want to be able to buy that equity back and, um, and then redirect the revenue towards the foundation of being able to help those vets with their missions, their nonprofits, their, their, um, their startups. Mm -hmm. So the whole cycle that I want to be able to create is that service members rent through the, the BH, the basic allowance for housing, which is apparently mm -hmm. pretty guaranteed and underwritten by the government, isn't going to the bottom line of an investment company. Active duty service members' rent is going to go towards helping vets in their projects. And that's the legacy that I want to be able to develop into the future. Um, but I think right now I just have to, you know, that I can't do it with just my money alone. And I think that's why I am trying to attract shareholders now. Um, mm -hmm. that saying, hey, this is what I'm trying to do, um, make it recognizable to what people mm -hmm. do for investments. Mm -hmm. um, but again, mm -hmm. they're going to exit. And so when they exit, then that's when mm -hmm. I'll be able to start uh, really taking on mm -hmm. my mission. And hopefully, yeah. since I'm really trying to attract uh, um, more accredited former military investors, that they understand that mission and why I'm doing it. So hopefully, it's kind of a uh, they want to continue being part of it and they, they help continue. Um, I mean, again, it's, it's up to them. Like there's not mm -hmm. going to be any pressure of me trying to, you know, get them to exit. I mean, but it was, uh, but I think there's going to be an understanding of, especially at the very beginning, because you look at some of the, uh, the information that came out on some of these on-base contractors that were not doing their job and they were taking a bunch of money and not really fixing the on-base properties. And then you get mm -hmm. people on uh, these slumlords off base um, that aren't fixing and repairing the way they should. And so mm -hmm. I think that really it puts me in a sense of, or this, this position of like, I have a duty to investors, um, but it's the way to, you know, my duty is to improve the properties to make them right. go up in value. Right. So I, I think it's a great ecosystem of, of what I'm trying to develop. Um, and so hopefully I didn't ramble on and go too much down the rabbit hole, but um uh, that's that's the goal. Now I know my son. This is the world, so I'm gonna let him ask a question here. He's into this kind of stuff too. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, uh, man, John, I think that's so cool. You know, I, I am, I'm all about investing uh, for a purpose, right? Investing in a purpose. And that's really cool that you're doing that. I think, you know, a wise, wise friend of mine, he, he actually, uh, kind of what you're doing is described as this, you know, when it comes to an Oreo, the, the best part of an Oreo is the cream, right? And, you know, and it brings those two cookies together. And, and what you're doing, you got the, the properties and the, 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 the veterans who you're able to support. And by taking that, that net income and putting it and reinvesting it back into the veteran community is amazing. And the other side is helping investors to, you know, of course, they, like you said, they want to return. They want to be able to kind of invest in something that provides a return. But, you know, investing in something that has purpose, right, that's going to change lives, going to help people. That's really just... And that's, and that's a lot of the long-term cycle that I think I'll be able to, to implement is that as, um, as time goes on, I, I generate more properties that like, Hey, I'm sorry. Let me let my dog out. Cause she's going to sit there and bark the whole time. My apologies. Give me two seconds. No problem. Dogs are amazing. They're like little kids, like, um, they don't bark at all until you're on like a, a phone call or a zoom call or something like that. And then all of a sudden they decided to get real vocal. Um, but like, um, but in time, it's also, you know, I want to be able to say, Hey, like, you know, I, a lot of ways I don't want to invest in the, in, in these, um, these startups. I want to be able to provide grants, but kind of mm -hmm. like, Hey, let's have this agreement though, is that if we're able to get you up and going grants, then you don't have to start up with a bunch of debt then that means you can function a lot easier from the beginning. You don't have to worry about paying off all this debt. So, you know, some of these houses I have, I, I now am able to start supporting some of these homeless vets that are looking for jobs and skills. You know, let's try to create some system here of, you know, you get these grants, but here's like these, this vet that's having some hard times and needs to be able to find a way to support his family. So let's, mm -hmm. let's figure out something to be able to do this. And that's years down the road, but I mean, it was just, that's, it's the roadmap. And I think that I'm, I'm excited that to do that. I mean, again, like right now it's, it's really kind of trying to find the, the means of, of, of what's going to fuel the engine, but mm -hmm. I still think it's a great way of saying, Hey, you know, why not do it by providing better housing for, for active yeah. duty service members? Mm -hmm. No, I, I tell you, I, I love your ideas, man. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Um, one idea can take off, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sitting here talking to you because the idea my son had, you know, from something that I never saw happening and, and helping vets get the VA benefits they deserve and just volunteering for you, telling him and all of a sudden he said, dad, we can make an online course. So like, really, you think we could? And so don't be, uh, you know, small things that you think of in the, in the area of serving others, when you got passion for that, and like I tell people, when you're going to go after that like a dog after a bone and you ain't eight in five days, that's that stuff is going to happen. Because yep. all it's going to take is one spark and you're meeting the next guy, meeting the next guy, meeting the next guy, you know, and that's going to happen. Man, let's go back to this part because you blew, you messed me up. I mean, when you got out of the military, you had 600K in an investment? Dude, well, that's... I... that's but that's phenomenal, man. I mean, I, you glossed over that, but I got to get back to the 600K because most guys that retire ain't got a pot to pee in, as they say, in the window, throw it out of. And you had 600K? What are you talking it was, about? 
it's one of those things where it's like not very comfortable for me to talk about, but they say, you know, when you talk about the business, make sure that you do this. And it's kind of makes, it makes me feel quite arrogant to, to talk about it, but it was that when I was active duty, I, um, when they say that you're younger, you know, you should invest more um, aggressively. And I didn't really see the point in doing that. I just kind of thought, why not go with, with companies that have been around for a while? And I had a few fundamentals that I focused on um, that really, you know, it, I didn't really care about the, the value of um, the stock price. Right. It was, I mean, I, I did, um, but what I really focused on was, were, were dividends. If a company was paying, you know, was going to pay me a certain amount of money every three months to own their stock, I am young, I'm working. And so what I did is just reinvested the dividends and continue to invest. And so that slow train that um, at the very beginning ended up becoming a pretty fast bullet train just because the dividends started making more dividends. And, and over time, that's what really got me there. I mean, I made some uh, calculated risks that, that did help that um, I, I, I kind of thought that one of, the, one of the big things that paid off was uh, Brexit, actually when England was leaving the EU and I kind of figured it's like, well, here's what's going to happen is that the stock market opens up at nine o'clock in the morning or whatever it does on here, the votes are going to be in. So I put in all these sell orders of everything I owned. And if, um, if the, the vote went through, I was going to sell everything because I figured the market was going to collapse. But if the, um, but if they stayed in the EU, then I just cancel all the orders because, <laughs> and, and, um, uh, no harm, no foul. Well, they left and I sold everything and everything, you know, fell just through the floor. And about 20 minutes later, I bought everything that I prior previously owned and it shot back up the next few days because when it, when it just corrects itself. And so that was kind of one of the, the, uh, I think it just, I, I was never really a risky investor. I think that was probably the yeah. biggest risk that I did, but it was also kind of like, a, like, really it wasn't that big of a risk just because of timing of where we're at. Like if I was yeah. in a footsie or, or um, some of these other European stock markets, I probably wouldn't have done that. But, you know, I had nine hours to cancel orders and, and it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's phenomenal. Now my, my son's in the day trading and do all that stuff. I don't have a nerve for any of that. <laughs> uh, my, my, my retirement my my investment plan was to do 20 years in and get a retirement check and that worked out pretty good and i still don't have to work for nobody so uh, I, to, I tell everybody whatever fits your personality you got to do because I, I i would i what you guys do god bless you i'm, I'm glad y'all do that but look let's let's get into this man i mean oh tell me this though i did did want to know can you just while you're in the military because there are going to be some people watching this video that are in the military. They want to get in investments. And I know you did the reinvestment stuff, and that's over my head. And, but talk about this. On average, how much money per month from your military check were you investing every month? Uh, I, being single, it helped. Um, I was single. I didn't have any debt. And so I was able – I probably put 50% away um, into the stock market. Um, but – the, Give them a number, 50%, $1,000, $2,000, but what, what were you doing? Anywhere like between fifteen dollars and $2,000 a month. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people don't have the, the ability to do that because they have other things to take care of, even kids. <laughs> they cost a right. lot of money from what I hear. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and that was another thing that, that really kind of, 
why why I bring that number up um, just because uh, some of the uh, uh, the Marines that I would hear when when Bitcoin was going up to like twenty thousand dollars and stuff like that, and I would talk to them about like, hey, you know, maybe not getting to Bitcoin and getting like something a little bit more safer, like some of the fundamentals. And they just looked at me like I was speaking some language from the planet Zeno from like they just and so it was kind of like. I, I think that their their literacy rate wasn't the the best when when it came to investing, but it was they were interested in it. A lot of them think it's a rich man's game or it's gambling, and you know I'm kind of an example that it's not. It was just that you just don't go into a hot stock tip. You know, there's got to be a few things you look at. Um, but if your whole understanding is is buy low and sell high, which is um, you know fundamentally sound, but it's not going to get you very far in the long run. There's got to be some other things you look at, um, and so that was kind of some of the things that. Um, I'm trying to keep myself going down from the rabbit hole because that's kind of part of the plan that I hope to be able to do um, with what I'm doing is that, you know, if I'm, I'm fortunate enough and things go well, um, it's, I want to be able to set up a system to where like 10% of the rents go into some sort of account for my, my tenants. So that way, you know, they, they understand the importance of, of equity investment, like buying a home and what it like. So actually they have a, a feeling of ownership in the home that they live in. Right. Um, to some degree and to really kind of get them to, to teach that. But um, I think I'm off track of what you asked. So I'm going to say. No, 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 it's, it's good, man. I mean, I, I, I just kind of wanted to get an idea, you know, because, man, I've, I've learned a couple of things in talking to you, John Marcus. Well, I mean, your grandfather, a Medal of Honor winner, and you got out of the military with 600K. I've never talked to anybody that did either one of those things, and you did both of them. So I think, <laughs> I think it's great, you know, just a fascinating conversation. So where do you see life going now, man? How, how, can I ask, how old are you? I'm 41. You're 41 years old, and right now I know you talked about, you know, you're you live, of course, you know, I love the state of North Carolina. I lived there for 11 years and I was messing with you before we started recording. I said, man, you're living over there near Jacksonville, man. You got, you got Wilmington, Wrightful Beach, Durham, Raleigh. I've gone all over the state, you know, Mount Airy, <laughs> Charlotte, everywhere in between. Uh, and, and, and you still love living over there and, and what you're doing. So what do you see going, I mean, what, you, Give me some of the stuff in the future, man. I know you talked about that, but what else do you got going on? I think that North Carolina is a great place to, to really start just because, I mean, you look at the population growth of, of the state, you know, that it grew so much, they got another representative. And so you look at where Jacksonville, North Carolina is. And so you have Fayetteville, two hours away. You have Goldsboro, two hours away. That's the Army and Air Force Base. You have Elizabeth City, two hours away. That's the Coast Guard Base. And you have, um, in Virginia, uh, the the big um, Navy base. And so those right. are kind of the areas I like, I hope to continue to expand in. Um, wow. I got to make sure that everything is successful and, and the teams are put together here in Jacksonville and really figure out the tempo and, and operations and how to do it correctly. And, um, but that's, that's what's exciting is that um, I have um, uh, something, hopefully uh, an offering, an investment offering open up very soon. I, try to do it to where anybody can invest, but the regulations are very difficult. And so it's only going to be open to accredited investors, but it's over. But I mean, there's, there's time that like in a year, you know, there's, there's things that do open up to where anybody can invest. And that's, I do hope to be able to um, uh, open that opportunity up to people. I mean, that's one of the big reasons why I do a shotgun blast to former service members is because it's not because I, I see something that we have, like, oh, we serve somewhere together or something like that. But it's, it's that, that trust takes time. 
and legitimacy takes time. And, you know, if I connect with people and there's some due diligence, some history that people can look at is that when I get to the point of saying, hey, you know, here's a, a safe investment or here's, you know, I'm finally able to do the purpose of, of opening up this foundation and providing these grants in the way that I, that I, I want to that, you know, hopefully there's some trust that I developed along the way, instead of like, you know, getting to the point and then trying to develop that trust. Um, and so that's, uh, that's the main goal is, uh, is trust. Well, man, I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm loving just even your uh, uh, idea of the rental properties around military base. I know Gino has rental properties. I got another son that actually grew up in Fayetteville. He, he just got a rental property in Fayetteville. He bought a house. And uh, I think, man, it's fascinating looking at your your platform and how you want to do it around military base. That's a winning formula, brother. So I want to commend you on that and tell you, I, I love the idea. And I uh, think Gino got some questions he want to ask you also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, John, this is really cool. I mean, the mission that you're on, your why is really, it's really an incredible, incredible thing. You know, um, knowing that statistic, you know, I'm not necessarily aware of how many people just publicly are, are aware of just that statistic of the 22 veterans a day. And I was actually in Publix yesterday and it was a, a, a magazine, Ledger Inquirer. It was like the military, you know, uh, or veteran suicide rate. And, and I was like, wow, this is my first time kind of seeing it out like in a public out of a magazine like that at a at a store. Uh, but just being somebody who is so in into that arena and really doing something about it, what would you say to somebody who maybe isn't aware of, of what's going on in the veteran community and, and how people can also be a part of the solution to, uh, to, to just decrease that number? You know, I think it's, it's really easy to, when somebody complains about, and again, I, I say this because I, I learned a lot of empathy. You know, it's like people control your emotions and all this kind of stuff. And I was I was always there to listen to you if someone had a complaint, but then it's kind of that, that you know, it's always kind of, you know, you try to be nice, but you always still like, you know, keep it together. You know, it's like, it's what we do in the service and what we do in the military. And that's one of the big things is that I learned that never judge someone's battle that they're they're fighting internally because you never know you never like mm -hmm. when i would see you know some of these junior enlisted ranks you know right. the the in the hospital trying to talk to somebody and stuff like that like what could they talk what what could they have possibly be going through to to need to talk to someone already and it's like again you don't know what that person is going through and so like don't judge um because you never know if you're going to be in that position and, you know, if someone wants to talk to you, listen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's amazing, you know, <clears throat> of course, with our business, we get a chance to talk to veterans every week uh, in some capacity. And what I always tell veterans is, you know, we've been programmed, indoctrinated to drive on, right? I mean, branch of the military, without them giving you some type of indoctrination on no poem. And the issue with that is what happens, frozen for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the, the issue is, you know, what happens when you're hurting for real? What happens when, when you are in pain and you do need to talk to somebody? We've been programmed just to drive on. Yeah. Well, I need, I need to talk to somebody because I don't feel like driving on. Yeah. And that's, and 
unfortunately, I learned it through firsthand experience and knowing that the, the despair that uh, to that point of just saying, you know, like, I just wanted to stop, you know, yeah. and, and it was, it's, it's scary. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I immediately like regret that decision. I'm glad I survived it. I, um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it was kind of that it was my 38th birthday. I woke up in a great mood and it was just by that day, it was just like this dark cloud came over and um, I, I really did want to end it, but it was kind of that like, as, as odd as this, this is going to sound, it was that I didn't want to use the gun because I didn't want to leave a mess for my wife to clean up. So yeah. I ended up taking 70 Ambien. Um, and I thought that like, that was just going to be put me to sleep and, and that's it. Um, and fortunately I woke up the next day in the hospital. Um, and so, but just knowing firsthand that, that level of despair and that feeling of, of not being connected to anything. And it's, uh, that's, it's, it's part of the passion. Part of the drive is that, is that knowing mm -hmm. that fear that hopefully other families don't have to ever go through that. Like, yeah. um, you know, try to get people to say, you know, tomorrow is going to be better that, yeah. you know, there's, there's hope for me to get better. And you know, that I, I'm going to start rambling, but yeah, that's, no. it's, it's, um, it's keeping, giving the opportunity of saying like, Hey, you know, things are hard and stuff like that. But you know, I had this idea in this dream, like maybe Ismay Co can be the answer to say, Hey, like I can, I can build it through, through this company. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, thank you for shedding light on that, man. You know, over the last uh, uh, few weeks, we've seen, you know, major celebrities uh, kill themselves on or around their birthday. I know of a couple that have, and I won't mention them in the video, but uh, we've, we've had a couple of celebrities, young celebrities do that, like on their birthday. And, mm -hmm. and, and I was trying to figure out, my God, what, I mean, you know, on your birthday, what, ha what happens? And you just brought a lot of light to that. Incredible, incredible, man. For sure. I felt... Uh... I felt like I was a disgrace. Like I didn't, I didn't have the right to my grandfather's name. And, um, it was kind of that, like at 38 years, like this is what's happening is that I'm losing, I'm losing my career because I worked on homework with somebody. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, uh, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what happens is, and, and again, you know, I'm a Christian, so I got to go back to, to, to biblical things. You know, the enemy wants to come in your mind, the enemy, you know, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and wants to get you thinking those negative thoughts. And that's the great thing about what we do when, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, we're around each other, we encourage each other. Yeah. I think one of the tough, one of the toughest things that I dealt with was uh, after my career, and I did 20 years, and I said, my wife will tell you, I was a basket case for two years after I retired, because I had put in my mind that retiring was going to be like this, and it wasn't. You know, exactly. It, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't like I thought. I, I didn't like being a civilian. I mean, you know, I had a ceremony at Fort Bragg, North Carolina on Friday. That Monday I was in Fayetteville and I didn't know who I was. I did not know who I was without the uniform. I, uh, after 13 years and seven deployments and being an MSG, my, my, my time in the Marine Corps ended with me just picking up my DD-214 and leaving base. And it was... Uh, Wow. Um, wow. And it, it hurt. And so it was like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. I, 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 I get it. 
And my wife was like, uh, I think she's a, she's an ER doctor. And so it was kind of like, you know, it's, it's being in a position where it's like, how do you really get help? I'm a doctor. And then it's like, you know, yeah. you're, you're having a hard time and, and really how do we solve this? And so it's uh, like, uh, no, it was, I guess right now I'm just kind of like, it, it just, I wouldn't say it feels good, but it feels connected to someone that really oh, knows yeah. what. <laughs> Brother, listen to me. You, you're, you, what you're saying is, is pretty much what I experienced. And I retired. I did 20 years and retired, but I literally, you know, uh, you know, end of June 2000, I retired. And I remember that Monday waking up going, okay, what am I going to do today? For mm -hmm. I didn't have any civilian clothes. I had warm-ups and blue jeans. I mean, you know, <laughs> I had warm-ups and blue jeans, you know, and I first, you know, you're going in for a job interview. I had nothing to put on, like no clothes. I had to go out, I had to figure out all this stuff, right? And so I can guarantee you, you know, it's amazing us having this conversation today. When veterans and other people watch this, people are gonna say, Well, I felt the same way. And oftentimes we believe, well, no one's feeling like this but me. But I can tell you, having a mission and a purpose that you have right now is what drives you to getting up every day. Yes, exactly. My wife is is even said this. She said, I'm better because I'm talking to people like you every day. <laughs> she said, Talking to those veterans helped me. I guess I was pretty wacko walking around the house not talking to veterans every day. I, you know, I, I look at some of the things like in retrospect, I'm just like, my wife must have thought I was about to start talking to Tweety Bird a few times. It was. <laughs> yeah. Cool, brother. This is great. Well, my son's got a couple other questions for you before we wrap up, man. I'm enjoying the conversation. It is phenomenal. Oh, I, I love the yeah, conversation. I'm, I'm really, I was happy to do it and I'm really grateful i did it so wow well man look i'm gonna tell you this uh, as my son get ready to ask you this question you know oftentimes we as veterans think we're cuckoo and then we'll talk to another vet and they say well dude i felt the same way and yep. then because oftentimes we believe that we can only talk to each other and you know in certain things that's true to, to to like understand where we're coming from but but i feel you brother i feel you for real awesome thank you man yeah, you know, John, John, man, I appreciate your, you sharing your story, sir. And I, I'm honored that we just get a chance to give you a platform and really just, you know, uh, speak to you because you're just, you're on a great mission to really make some, make a big difference and change the world. And, and so uh, I'm excited to, to, to let everybody know about Ismaco, all our listeners to know about Ismaco and what you guys are doing up in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, just everything that you're doing, it really helped the veteran community. Uh, so of course, as we as we end the the podcast today, one question we always love to ask, just as a, a period to a podcast, is you know when 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 everything is over, when everything's said and done for you, uh, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And uh, what would that what's that question? What's the answer to that question for you, John? They, I want to be remembered as he tried his best. You know, they talk about like when somebody dies, they want to be like celebrated and I'll like, you know, have a party and, and you know, talk about my life. And, and I actually want people to be sad what if, when I go, because I actually did something, meaning that I actually did something to make positive changes in their life. And, and my absence is, is missed. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really, and hopefully that doesn't sound arrogant, but it was just because I, I really do hope that I did some good things for some 
for some people I don't know and won't yeah. ever know and continue yeah. to do that in the future. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Doing your best. And I, I answer passion. You're on a mission. You're doing some amazing things. And you're really, uh, you know, I think you're doing amazing things. So you, you, I'm sure you have a lot more to go uh, for the rest of your life. And so just thank you for being on with us. Keep it, keep it up, sir. And uh, I'll go ahead and pass over to my dad to end it for, end it for today. Well, thank you. Well, I can tell you, John Morgan, John C. Morgan, Red Morgan, the, the, the great American hero and Mel of Honor one, I'm definitely proud of you, brother. Thank I you. can tell you that. I can tell you that right now, you know. But being a stand-up man and going to combat like you, your sister, and your brother did in serving this country. And as I get ready to close the call, man, uh, it's been a very passionate call, emotional call in a lot of ways for me, because we talked about real issues that happen to so many veterans. And uh, it's great that you have an outlet for veterans that don't think they can continue to get up and move. But I got to finish the call like I always do. To everybody, I'm telling you, stay in the fire!